Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. We love youth at Celebration Church. If you haven't caught that yet, um, we, we absolutely believe that youth ministry is, is uh, one of the most important things you can do. And I think that... Um, something that kind of we can kind of forget about sometimes is that youth are going through, um, some people think it's like the best time of their, your life. And just if there's any youth that are struggling right now and, and going through a tough time, I'll just tell you, it's not the best part of your life. Um, that It does get better. And um, if, if you've been struggling with your faith or, or you've just been struggling with people in your life, I just want to say to you, God's got plans for you. He loves you. And, and, and you're coming into better seasons, better times ahead. And, uh, and, but being a youth is also really fun <laughs> um, because you're an adult without the responsibilities of it. And, and so, um, but it's, it's a special time because if you grew up in a Christian family, it's a time where you go from your parents' faith to your own. Um, but it's also a time where there's a lot of turmoil and a lot of things that you're trying to figure out in your life and you're trying to figure out who you want to be. And if you'll let God get a hold of your heart and get a hold of your life, man, I promise you that whatever you do with your life, that the future will be bright for you and you're going to have an amazing future ahead. So we believe in, in uh, youth at Celebration Church and um, we love these kids and it's amazing to see what God does at camp every year. I feel used. Have you ever said that before? I feel used. Maybe you were dropping your youth off at the movie theater and, and you gave them money. You gave them a ride, and then they said, don't drop me off in the front. I don't want people to see you. You're embarrassing. Right? They're using you. You're like, I feel used. These kids. And, uh, and you know, that's, that's a kind of a funny one, but uh, there's a lot of times where, you know, people would use us for things, and it hurts us. And it bothers us um, when people try and use us like that, you know? We don't want to be used by people, but it is wonderful to be used by God. It's wonderful. Being used by God is life-giving, but being used by people can be hurtful and draining. So what does it mean to be used by God? Sometimes I've heard people either leave our church or come to our church, leaving another one, saying, I wasn't being used at that other church. They weren't using me. And at times I think we, we think like people are tools, like it's someone else's job. It's someone else's job to be the craftsman and, and pick us up and, and use us as, as a tool. But what if we decide that, what if we're the ones who decide if we're going to get used or not? Not that it's somebody else's responsibility to pick up that tool, but as living beings, that it's our responsibility to decide if we're going to be used or not. God's not playing chess going, okay, I think I'm going to use them now. You know, uh, oh, they're a pawn. It's a little late in the game for a pawn and whatever. Like uh, God's not playing chess. He's managing a team. So we don't just sit dormant, collecting dust, waiting for our master to make some moves. Um, we, we actually have to go and, and do something behind the scenes. I love uh, this, this year. I've, I've literally just spent time just reading the work of Paul in the Bible, in the New Testament, just really studying Paul. And uh, this guy, Paul, in the Bible, knew a thing or two about being used by God. He, he might be our, our best example, um, obviously, besides Jesus. Um, but he, he writes to the Galatians 
He writes this letter um, to the Galatians to encourage them and inspire them about what God had done in his life. And so we're going to read from Galatians chapter 1. You can go there if you got you version, uh, or you can use the screens or a real Bible if you got a real Bible. Good for you. I love reading the real Bible. Uh, grab those things, and we're going to read this together. Galatians 1. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not a man's gospel. So the gospel I'm preaching, I didn't get it from a man. I didn't receive it from any man, nor, nor was I taught it. I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you've heard my former life of Judaism, what I used to do in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. So for his age, he was doing really well in, in, in the leadership of the, um, Judaism. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father's. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, notice that he's saying that God set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, uh, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I didn't immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go to Jerusalem uh, to those who were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and then returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to visit uh, Cephas, and, uh, Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I don't lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilia, Cil sorry, Cilicia, and I was the unknown, I want you to catch this. I was an unknown person to the churches of Judaism that are, that, of Judea that are in Christ. So he's saying, people didn't even know who I was. I just went in there and I started preaching the gospel. And they were, uh, they only were hearing it said, he who used to preach, uh, sorry, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. This powerful is saying, this guy was trying to, like ruin our churches. He was violently persecuting us. And, and now he's, he's preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. And then watch this last line. And they glorified God because of me. I love this, this text. We're gonna break it down a little bit this morning. Uh, Paul says, the, the gospel that I'm preaching, it's not a man's gospel. The gospel is not from man. So stay connected to God. See, you will still get um, food. You'll still get some, some nutrients from regurgitation, you know, from messages, obviously, from, you know, hearing stuff on, on uh, Instagram and TikTok, hearing preachers, whatever. You can still get some, some good from that, but you need to eat your own food too. In other words, you have to have your own connection to the Father. Your devotions can't be, you know, 10 different pastors on Instagram clips per day. There has to be something more than that. And, and the tension, I think, sometimes is um, we, we want to go deeper in God. I hear that people say that a lot. I, I want to go deeper. I, I want to be, you know, sometimes people say, I want to be fed. But we, we want to pursue knowledge and theology. But in the same breath, there's a tension here because you'll never perfectly understand everything that's in the Bible. 
Yet, by the grace of God, you can still be used to impact someone's life. And it's so important to have like these things that we do that really build our knowledge of God, to get to know him. And we can use things like commentaries. A few, a few weeks ago, we had somebody preach called uh, Nathan Finocchio. He has a, an online Bible college that's incredible, that teaches us a lot about the context of the Bible and, and just learning about what different things mean. And, and we can use books. We can read C.S. Lewis. And, and things like this are so important to get to know a little bit more about the uh, Bible. But it's so, sometimes we just need a, a simple reminder of the beautiful gospel that we've been given. We can spend our lives trying to figure out exactly what every single verse means, but it's, and it's so important to gain those knowledge and the context and meaning, but let's not get so hung up on that that we miss out on intimacy with God. And we miss out on, on meditation and, and we, we miss out on being passionate and, and be, being evangelistic and sharing uh, what God's doing in our lives. It's, it's so refreshing just to remind ourselves of the simple good news of the gospel. So as we work through things like this, how do we know what is right and wrong nowadays? As we try to figure out this gospel, this not man's gospel, how do we know? I mean, the, the information age has made Christianity an interesting space to live in because you can Google things and, and find a, an opinion about both sides of, of everything. For every mile of road, there's, there's two miles of ditch. You can basically find anything on the internet to support whatever belief you want. But Paul tells us in Philippians, he says, it's my prayer in Philippians uh, 1, 9 to 10. It says, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. This is an important word to catch as, as we sort of work through the gospel. Paul says, you got to be discerning so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. We got to develop discernment. Paul is saying here that if we want to get closer to God, yes, we're going to need to gain some, some knowledge. And as we develop discernment, what does that look like? Discernment is making theological judgment calls. It's knowing what's truth and what is a lie. And, and truth will bring life and lies will kill. And discernment helps us learn what we can and can't trust. As, as we have this gospel that comes from God. And in our process of, of wanting to be used by God, we must develop discernment to know what's from him and what isn't. Because honestly, sometimes we need some healthy deconstruction. As nasty as deconstruction can be, we talked about this a little bit, about what's happening on the internet and, and, and whatnot and the attack on the church. We got to remember that we can deconstruct what's in our heart that's not from God. We got to discern this truth. Uh, I would say a simple explanation would be this meme here um, that we had somebody create. Can we get the, the meme up? So here's, uh, uh, this, this is how I would help you learn kind of some discernment that the father will always point to the son and the son will always point to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will always point to the father and so on and so forth. They're all gonna point at each other. So you can know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you by looking into your Bible and saying, does this line up with what God has said in his word? God is consistent with himself and he does not contradict himself. This is a beautiful, this meme is a beautiful example of the Trinity right here. Okay, you can take it down. God is consistent with himself and does not contradict himself. They'll always point at each other. 
That will help us build our discernment. I just want to give you this morning three faiths, three faiths, uh, sorry, three truths that our faith can stand on. Sorry, I'm very excited this morning. I'm messing up my words. And they didn't give me a timer, so I'm like, ah, I can just talk all day. Um, anyways, I want to give you just three truths that our faith can stand on. Um, number one is dogma. So these are just important Christian beliefs. So things like the virgin birth, Okay, you got to know, like, we, we don't mess with this. This is real. This happened that uh, the, Mary conceived from the Holy Spirit. The virgin birth, we stand on that. Jesus' physical resur- resurrection, that he, he walked the earth. After he died, he then physically rose again from the grave. He walked the earth. He's walking around eating with people. It's amazing. And there's tons of proof. There's all kinds of proof that that actually happened. Um, if you read the work of I can't remember his name. Uh, he will tell you that. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> Anyways, I read his books, but I can't remember his name. Um, that in dogma, there's a virgin birth, the physical resurrection, the gospel as freedom from sin, that, that we don't have to do things to pay for our sin now. Jesus paid for all of it. And then the Trinity, that there is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they all point to each other. They're all three in one. Um, those are things that we stand on. That's dogma. I mean, there's, there's more than that, but that's, that, that, that's some basics. Like we stand on these things in the gospel. But then there's doctrines too, and people fight over doctrines quite a bit. Doctrines are important, but not necessary. So there are things like the gifts of the Holy Spirit, communion, baptism. These things are important, but they're not things that we need to fight over, they're, right? They're, they're not things that um, we need to get hung up on and, and you know, constantly be, I mean, we, we can work these out and we can read all kinds of different things on them, but just know it's not something worth losing friends over, that, that sort of thing. So there's dogma, there's doctrines, and uh, the last word is a tricky one, and I actually never heard it until I did some research that this adiaphora, uh, and that's theological opinions that are far less important. There's all kinds of stuff that, hey, we could spend tons of time working out but really, is it going to help our intimacy with God? Really, is it going to help our purpose on this earth? Maybe sometimes it would, but it's stuff that, honestly, we can just put to the side. I would say, simply put, it's this. There are some beliefs in our gospel. There's some beliefs to die for. There's some, uh, that would be the dogma. There's some beliefs to divide over, that not everybody is going to fit in every church because of doctrines. Um, so there's some to die for. There's some to divide over, and there's some to be debated. We could talk about them, but we're not going to lose friends over them. We don't want people to get stuffed up on minor details that will turn people away from Jesus. I would say this. The people around you are either slowly turning towards Christ or slowly turning away from him. The people in your life are either slowly turning towards Christ or slowly turning away from him. It is about an internal and eternal dedication to become more like Jesus. Martin Luther said this. This is powerful. Everyone is a horse that either Jesus or the devil rides. We need discernment to figure out how to help us live out the purpose God has for our lives. And like Paul, we need to look for what God has done for us specifically. Paul has this radical life change. He said, I received it through a, a revelation of Jesus Christ. He, he meets Jesus on the road. Like Jesus appears to him. It's, it's amazing. 
Keep in mind your personal revelation of God's grace. Like if it's one experience, if it's a, a long story of it, whatever it may be, keep in mind what God has done for you specifically. Because there is really no story more powerful to the people in your life than what God has done for you. They don't know Jesus yet, but they do know you. What's God done for you? If you want to be used by God, if you, like, I would say stay grateful for all the gospel has done for you. Stay deeply connected to what God has done for you. I love that Paul says, when he who set me apart before I was born, which lines up with the Bible, he had a plan for you before you were born, called me by his grace. So he had this plan for me, Paul says, but I was persecuting his church. I was persecuting his people. He still called me into that plan. You know why? Because nothing you will ever do or not do for that matter will disqualify you from God's purpose for your life. Hey, nothing you will ever do or not do just sitting at home on the couch, just doing nothing will disqualify you from God's purposes for your life. Come on, somebody online. You're paying attention this morning. Nothing you will ever do or not do will disqualify you from God's purpose for your life. If there was anyone on this earth who could have been disqualified from God's purpose for his life, it would be Paul. Paul was fully committed to persecuting Christians. He was all in on getting rid of the church. Paul spent three years of his life just persecuting Christians. He was a young adult just out there on purpose for Judaism. Let's get rid of these nasty Christians. But God never gave up on his plan for Paul's life. I just want to say that today, that no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how many times you feel like you failed, God's plan and purpose, God has a plan and purpose for your life. We can go after that. He had that before you were born. He sets you apart for specific things. He's got a specific design for you. There's a reason you have the personality that you have. There's a reason you're introverted. There's a reason you're extroverted, right? There's, there's a reason for these things. And this is why I love the church. We had heard uh, Pastor Levi Mary Church three weeks ago just talk about why he loves the church. Man, that was a powerful message. But I, what I, I took away, the big thing I took away was that we have our batteries recharged in the church. And so God has a purpose for us. And on Sundays, we, we get recharged with our purpose in life. I just want to say, as a part of the church, you are important. And this is how deeply connected you are. The, the church is, this is how deeply connected the church is to Jesus. That as Paul is persecuting Christians, Jesus shows up and he says, why are you persecuting me? Paul was persecuting Christians and Jesus says, no, no, you're persecuting me. This is how important we are to the move that God wants to do in churches. You want to be used by God? I would say this, that just learning about how God and how deeply connected Jesus is to the church. If we want to be used, I would say this, don't speak poorly about any Jesus-loving churches. Any of them. Even though I prefer the message, the methods that we use at Celebration Church to, to reach people and, and have community, what I'm learning is we can't ever speak poorly about the bride of Christ. Especially if we don't understand the way 
other people do things or, or different methods or preaching styles or worship styles. That's okay. I'm sure somebody came in here this morning and said, I'm never coming back here with those cannons. Give me a heart attack and whatnot. And the, and the young guy yelling at me. Um, why don't we speak poorly about the church? She's not my bride to speak poorly of. That's Jesus' bride. I don't trash talk his bride. She might not be attractive to me, but she was never supposed to be in the first place. It's attractive to Jesus. It's his bride. Church has to have a hybrid approach of music, preaching, all the methods that we have. There has to be something that believers can, can buy into and enjoy and, and come closer to Jesus in, but also that people who are far from God can find Jesus at. So we have to walk that balance. And we don't just do things that believers enjoy. We also do things that people who are far from God love. Why? Because we care about the priorities of Jesus. If we want to build a church that, that is attractive to Jesus, want to build an attractive bride for him, we got to know his priorities. Reach that one lost sheep. He would run away from the 99 to get that one. The discipleship, like Jesus, clearly discipleship was a priority to Jesus. We have to have communities that people uh, enjoy. And, and as we kind of go into those, we learn about the knowledge of him and about the Holy Spirit experiences and, uh, and about sanctification, those kinds of things. Also just learning more about, you know, having an attractional church to Jesus. We, we want to care for the poor. Jesus was very clear on how we treat the poor. When we fall away from our purpose, um, just know that God placed purpose on your life before you were born. So even though you've wandered away from it, maybe, it's still on you. It was there before you ever set foot on this earth. You were set apart, called by grace. And just like Paul, you can come back into that grace. I love this verse in Lamentations 3. I feel like Lamentations is a little, little bit slept on. Can't remember the last time I heard somebody preach from Lamentations. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Yet we get hung up on what happened last week. We get hung up on how we talked three years ago. We get hung up on our actions five years ago. And we, ha we have these things, these shames that are operating in our life. But his compassions are new every morning. You have not drifted too far for the purpose of God that's on your life. You're not just on this earth to earn a paycheck large enough to support the quality of living that you desire. God has purpose for you. I love this next thing Paul says in, in this letter to the Galatians. He says, I was still an unknown person in the churches of Judea that are in Christ. People didn't know who I was. I wasn't like, here's Paul. Look at his purple shirt. Everybody loves him. You do not need an official position to have impact. You do not need to be certified with the blue check mark on Instagram to have impact. You don't need to wait for someone to give you a title. God's giving you purpose right now. In 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about how I was an unskilled speaker, but I knew God. He didn't need an official position. Discipleship isn't about waiting until you're the right person to be used by God, until you're clean enough, 
until you have the, the right sneakers on to be used by God. Don't wait for someone um, to, to kind of pick you up like the chess piece that you've been waiting for. Just go and be used. Go and be someone who will be used by God. You already have the position you're looking for. You already have it. Here's what it is. A citizen of heaven. That positions us to be used by God. Again, Paul writes, our citizenship in Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven. I'm a citizen of Canada. So what does that look like? I want to make Canada a better place. My, my wife, Jessica, has been treat, uh, teaching our son to not litter, to take care of Canada. You know, we, we live here. We're going to take care of what God created for us. So she, she's been teaching him to make it better. So um, on Friday, we went to the park. We went to the playground to go play. And we got to the playground. And before he played, he walked around the whole playground and he picked up all the garbage that he found around the playground before he started playing and went and threw it in the garbage. He took care of what he was a citizen of. I loved it. I was like, come on, man. Let's get our play on. What are you doing? He's around picking up garbage. I was also like, there's COVID out there still. It's kind of gross. I don't know. Um, what is he? he He's knowing that this earth, this playground right now is my home that, that God gave me to care for. And so we do that. We take care of the earth because God gave this to us to take care for, not to just, you know, uh, trash it. and Well, whatever, it's going to expire someday anyway. But we also got to think that way about heaven. That I'm here now and I, I'm going to take care of this now, but also for a lot longer, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in heaven. And that's a home I want to build. And, and God's placed purpose in my life. And that's something I, I want to take care of too. That's something I want to be responsible for as well. I noticed that when people will leave a job, as soon as they know and they've had the conversation that this job is over and I'm on to the next one, what happens? They start being a little bit more careless about where they are right now, right? And, and I think sometimes that we can be careless because maybe we don't have that yet. And, and, and I've noticed that a lot of people care about eternity when they're very close to it. But we had this whole life to care about it. I must be eager to make an impact on my home, on my heavenly home. You want to be used by God? Care about your heavenly home. In Acts chapter 9, um, Paul was speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He was just out there. He just, yeah, bold. And uh, it says, you know, they, they went and hit him because they were, people were trying to get him. And uh, then the people were living in fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And the church increased in numbers because he was bold. Eagerness will make an impact. How can we be eager? I would just say this. Just dwell on how good God has been. Have a, just a spirit of uh, gratitude. Man, when you wake up in the morning, just start to think about how good God has been and, and, and really just dwelling on that every day and finding times just to meditate on him and just to connect with him, have an intimacy with him. And, and what will happen because of that? Just like in the end of this letter to the Galatians, he says, 
uh, the end of this text that we wrote, read, it says, they glorified God because of me. People are attracted to a transformed life. People are attracted to a transformed life. How do I know this? Look at the reality TV shows, right? It's like, we bought this super gross, dumpy house and look at how nice we made it. We transformed it, right? Look at this bachelor looking for someone to marry. He's transformed by love uh, in this show or, or whatever it is. Um, the weight loss shows, man, you get obsessed with it. Or, or, or what about the, um, the hoarders one, right? People are attracted to a transformed life. People are attracted to transformation. People in your life will glorify God because of you. And sometimes I think, oh, I have to have this crazy transformation story. No, just you were lost, now you're found. Talk about how good God's been for you. To you, Man, I, I, just, I just love Joshua's story earlier. Talking about how his mom, talk about purpose of his mother bringing him here. I just want to say to moms this morning, I just want to prophesy over you. Your children will glorify God because of your dedication to them. Just like Joshua is up here leading worship. He, his mom could have left him at home playing video games. What did she do? She dragged him out of bed and brought him to church on a Sunday morning, said, you're going here. You are being connected to God in this house. Your coworkers, teammates, neighbors, all glorify God because of you, but you got to believe that. People glorify God because of the transformation they saw in Paul. Uh, if you read through some of the work of Paul, he's just constantly telling his story. He's just constantly talking about, man, I used to, I used to destroy churches. Like that was my mission to tear these things down. Look what God's doing in me. <sighs> what are you going to do with the gospel that you received? People will glorify God because of you. I'll just say this, that your story, what's happened in your specific life, your story matters to God. Your story matters. Your story, like tell your story. And your ministry, whatever your ministry may be, your ministry matters to God. Like, it's not just a couple little positions that make an impact in the church. It's everything. Your story and your ministry matters to God. Your service to people matters to God. Some of the greatest people I know and some of the greatest people I've ever met are unknown. Some of the greatest people in this church, if I said their name, you would know who they were. But they made such a deep, incredible impact on our church. I think just part of uh, just purpose in our lives is speaking life into people or as the Bible says it, prophesy. Sometimes we, we get in our heads that, that prophecy is like this big, elaborate, like a psychic who predicts the future. Okay, and I know, sorry, that was a little bit, you know, I, you're not trying to be a psychic this morning, I get that. But I, I think that some people think like, oh, it's this big thing that I have to like figure out. It's really just seeing what's in somebody's future. And you can tell that by, by their dedication to God now and, and what God put in them now. Prophecy is about perception. So you can prophesy over people who do not share your faith. You can speak life over them. You'd be a sneaky prophet. You know, you don't have to have a, a specific church service to set up a, a, a platform for you to prophesy. You can go to work Monday morning and say, I'm going to prophesy over some people. 
by just telling them, hey, I appreciate this, that, and the other thing that you do in this world. Man, I, I just speak life over people. Tell them why you're thankful for them as a friend. Tell people the positive things that you appreciate about them. Tell them how good of a parent they are, how hospitable they are, how caring they are, how much you enjoy their company. Just prophesy over what's gonna happen in their future because of how God designed them and made them. Come on, these things will speak loudly about who you are and who your God is. I just, I just want to give you a challenge today. I like giving challenges because then I'll do them during the week and it'll make me a better person. If you don't do them, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's good for me. I'll just say this. This week, just, just write down what God's done for you. Just open a note in your phone, grab some paper, whatever. Just write down all God's done for you. Write down the things that you prayed about that you're now living in because we're quick to forget. Like when we need them, we're like, God, give it to me. When we get them, it's like, oh, Write down what God's done for you. Man, it'll, it'll just cultivate a spirit of gratitude, which will give you this kind of spirit of purpose to go out into your world and change things. Constant gratitude will be a platform for your story. I read this this week, Psalm 63, two to, two to four. Here I am in the place of worship, eyes open, drinking in your strength and your glory, in your generous love. I'm really living at last. My lips brim praises like a fountain. I bless you every time I take a breath. My arms wave like banners of praise to you. I think the reality from what I've seen is that a lot of people feel trapped. They feel trapped by their financial situation. They might feel trapped in their marriage. Uh, they might feel trapped in health struggles. They might feel trapped in fear. Um, they might feel trapped by, you know, whatever, too much media intake, whatever it is. We can help bring peace to people. We can bring peace into any situation or circumstance. And sometimes I think we have to, we, we feel like I got this big external thing, but really what happens is if, if we would just internalize, just, just know, internalize gratitude and thanking God for all he's done, man, we'll start to change something inside of us that will start to change people. It's the internal dedication to him that will draw people in because people are attracted to a transformed life. And people will be attracted by your commitment to Jesus. Not that he's a part of your life, but he is your life. This is not something that you do. This is who you are. And I promise you, just believe that people will glorify God because of your commitment to him. I'll just give you one last thing that I've been doing um, and hopefully it'll help you. And if not, it'll keep me accountable to keep doing it. Um, I've just been asking myself uh, at the end of every day or just the start of every day, reflecting on the day before, just, um, God, did I become more of the person you've called me to be this day, that day, whatever? Not of a place of shame, like, oh, I screwed up, I suck. But just uh, as just God is, is that... Did what I, that conversation yesterday, oh, was that who you designed me to be? Okay, the way I acted uh, to that person, was that who you designed me to be? Okay, okay. And it just helps me dial in. Okay, is this right now what's happening? Is this who God, screaming at my kids in the van, you know? Is that who God designed me to be? 
No, okay, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to, it's not out of a place of shame or performance-based Christianity whatsoever. I just, I just feel responsible for the person that God has called me to be. And developing an intimacy with him allowed me to connect better with people. I promise you, you'll be used by God. Let me just pray for you. God, I just pray that people would just have a deep desire to be used by you. And sometimes in our uh, fear or trauma of being used by people, we can kind of shrink back a little bit and kind of just be a little bit reserved. Or sometimes maybe it's our shame. Our shame from, from what happened in the past or even what happened, you know, that same day, whatever it may be. God, I just pray that today we just offer you our shame say that that is not from you. Just We just declare that right now. That's not from you. Thank you, God, for this beautiful story of Paul. And God, how you used him. And, and you, we know you can do the same for us. God, I pray that you would give us the desire to live on purpose, to be used by you. God, thank you for the, the people that you've placed in our lives on purpose. Thank you for our families. Thank you for the people that frustrate us. And I pray that today it would be our, our desire to just love them, to serve them, that they would see you because of our commitment to you. Thank you, God, that you, uh, you haven't, like that song says, you haven't given up on us. And I just pray that, I just thank you for the people that you drew here this morning, that you drew online, that, that something found them here, Lord. I just pray that they would realize that um, even though they've given up on themselves, that you haven't given up on them. And, and God, today, I, I just pray that we'd have the will not to, to to come out of giving up on ourselves and saying, no, I know that God is a God of second chances, of new mercies every morning, of a bright future ahead, Lord God. We just thank you that we are citizens of heaven, that it would be our desire to fill heaven. It would be our desire to see people in heaven because of the life we lived on earth, Lord. Just believe that people will glorify God because of our lives. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're in the room and... Um, you, you just want to make a decision for Jesus, to follow Jesus, or, or you want to make a uh, commitment. You've prayed a prayer before to commit your life to him, but hey, something happened along the way and you've kind of walked away from that. I just want to pray for you really quick. All you got to do is believe in your heart and confess it with your mouth. The Bible says you'll be saved. So repeat after me. I'll ask everybody from Celebration Church to repeat after me as well in agreement with these awesome people that are making this prayer right now. Say, Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for dying on the cross for me. Today I ask that you come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you're the one true God. And from now on, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. God is good. Come on. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. 
you would like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.